Hello, you are listening to Delta Dispatches. We're discussing Louisiana's coast, its people, wildlife, and jobs, and why restoring it matters. I'm Jacques Hebert with Environmental Defense Fund. And I'm Simone Malaz with Restore or Retreat. It's great to be back in, back studio, in studio with you, Simone. Mm-hmm. And you've been on the road a lot. Yes, and on the road again next week. Busy, busy, busy. Mm-hmm. Today they had a, um, a press conference in my part of the world uh, with the governor talking about some um, uh, work that they're going to do together with the two levy districts there. And then next week um, they're going to talk about Barrier Islands too. But i got to squeeze a D.C. trip in there sometime oh, too. You have to get up there to remind people yes. kind of what's at stake, yes. what we're fighting for, why the truth is, is the weather's better up there and <laughs> I'm trying to escape this heat. You were outside? I was in the heat yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, we went out with our friends at Lake Pontchartrain Basin Foundation. Mm-hmm. I was, you know, back in my hood. Dr. Theron and took Exactly. You out. Back nice. in, behind Braithwaite uh-huh. at the Carnarvon Freshwater Diversion. And we actually had our, our prior guest, uh, Margaret Orr, with ah! us. So we did a great uh, airboat tour of the project. Um, with Theron and Howard, and you know, she was just so impressed. It was a beautiful day, so everything was, was clear, so lush right? and vibrant yeah. and green. Um, but hot, 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 yes. hot, so. yeah. You need those airboats for the fan <laughs> yeah, purposes. Exactly. <laughs> it was nice as long as we were moving. It's when we stopped and the sun was coming down heavy that it got a little rough, but definitely, uh, definitely. Well, next week is a busy week. Next week, I know you got your show already planned. I'm gonna have to miss out, but that's okay. Yeah, um, we are gonna be speaking to someone who's kind of a legend in terms mm-hmm. of coastal Louisiana and coastal advocacy, um, Jim Tripp, who recently retired from the Environmental Defense Fund. Um, He's being honored by the Governor's Advisory Commission um, on coastal issues. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we'll have him on to talk a little bit about you know, his 40 years yeah, doing this, doing this work. Did you know that him and King Milling like went to college or, or did something like that together? So they were together in a previous life. But Jim is a name very, very known in coastal circles and uh, served on the governor's advisory commission, I think, since its inception. And they're going to honor him at the governor's advisory commission meeting, which is next Wednesday. Yeah. And today on the show, we have another commission member. I feel like I'm going through my roster of friends <laughs> on the commission agenda. Uh, we have Chris Macaluso back on the show. Uh, Chris is with the Center for Marine. He's the Center for Marine Fisheries Director for the Teddy Roosevelt Conservation Partnership. Welcome back to the show, C Mac. Well, thanks, guys. I appreciate the opportunity. Um, that's what your friends call you, C Mac. Yes, is that okay? That is- I can call you Chris. I really can. Um, There's a lot of things you've called me in the past <laughs> among the least offenses. So yes, and, and Chris is no stranger to radio and print media and all kind of other fun things. So hopefully uh, you're really at home here at Delta Dispatches. So thank you for coming back on the show. We wanted to catch up with you a little bit. Um, how's your summer going? It's very hot. It's hot. Uh, it's been a good summer, though. We've, we've been on the water a lot, uh, kind of all over the state. Um, you know, been to, been to Bureau several times to fish, been to Grand Isle. Uh, just got on the water a little bit yesterday around the Lake Pontchartrain area. Um, you know, spent some time with the kids. Uh, it, it, it was a good summer, but um, fall cannot arrive fast enough, that's for sure. I, I hear you on that, Chris. Um, and so how have things been out on the water? Well, it was a different year. Uh, you know, we had the spillway opening um, there in Lake Pontchartrain, you know, a record-setting spillway opening. We had record-setting flooding in the Mississippi River Basin in general. Uh, and that uh, that cut down, believe it or not, on some access to some freshwater fishing areas that are generally pretty popular. Now, we had high water in the Lake Verret area, 
Uh, that's a pretty popular spot for folks to go freshwater fishing during the summertime and the spring. Uh, of course, the Atchafalaya Basin, um, you know, a lot of the bayous in, in the basin because the Atchafalaya Basin gets Mississippi River water. They were out of their banks as well, and that cut down a lot on the freshwater fishing access. Uh, but we did a lot of saltwater fishing as well, and, um, you know, it, it was different because you had a lot of Mississippi River water, but I wouldn't say it was poorer because of it. We caught a lot of different species, uh, caught a good number of speckled trout in the, in the Grand Isle area, the Coquitry area, you know, places that aren't necessarily affected as much by that river water. Uh, but even in Buris and Western Terrebonne Parish, where there was a lot of high water, a lot of dirty water, uh, we caught a lot of redfish uh, and a lot of bass and saw a lot of good habitat in those areas. So it certainly was a different summer than I think a lot of folks are used to, but it doesn't necessarily mean uh, it was a poor summer for fishing in South Louisiana. So, Chris, I actually had not thought about I, th- I thought about freshwater being in areas that are too salty, but I never thought about the too much freshwater in the art. You know, I, that, that's an interesting take for sure. I didn't I didn't really think of it that way. I know you did come fishing in, in my part of the world. You took um, one of our favorite reporters out, Hallie, with the Comet Courier. And uh, I know Chris was disappointed with how many fish he caught in that morning. And Hallie called me and she's like, they caught so many fish. <laughs> so I think Chris's standard on fish was a little different. So tell us about taking Hallie out. Well, yeah, it's, it, it's a perspective that I think that, um, you know, I got to spend some time with some reporters from across the country a couple of weeks ago down at Buras. And, you know, on days where we thought it was sort of a mediocre day where we'd catch 12 or 15 fish, uh, they were blown away. You know, some of them, you know, said it was the best fishing trip they'd been on in a long time. So I think we kind of lose respect at some time in South Louisiana because our fishing is so good that when we have a slower day, it's like, oh, man, you know, I'm disappointed. But, you know, uh, you look past sometimes when you, when you get folks who don't spend a lot of time out in the marsh or out on our coast. Uh, you lose the perspective that they have that it's such a beautiful place and a fascinating place to look at, um, you know, that it's an enjoyable trip, even if you don't put a bunch of fish in the boat. But I, I really enjoyed that opportunity. You know, we went with Representative Jerome Zarang. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we went, went with a good friend of mine, uh, Captain Lloyd Landry, who, you know, operated a charter operation down at Buras for about 20 years before moving his operation to Western Terrebonne Parish. So, wait, he moved um, you know, his operation? That's interesting. Yeah, he moved from Buras to uh, to Dularge. Hmm. And, uh, you know, there was a couple reasons for it, but I think the main reason uh, was because there were so many more opportunities uh, in western Terrebonne. There's a little bit less fishing pressure there. Uh, there's a lot more habitat. Um, you know, as you go west towards the Atchafalaya Basin out of, out of Terrebonne Parish, there's a lot more protected marsh in healthy marsh there than there is west of the Mississippi River in Buras. Mm-hmm. And I think what Lloyd was facing is what a lot of folks are facing in Plaquemines Parish and that, you know, they grew up fishing the west side of the river uh, in Plaquemines Parish where there was a lot of marsh from Empire South towards the Gulf of Mexico. Now all of that marsh is gone and it's really taken away a lot of the opportunities for them to fish in the places they grew up. Now the fishing on the east side of the river remains pretty good. Um, you know, even though it does get inundated by Mississippi River water, you could still there, go there and catch a lot of redfish. And as we found out a couple of weeks ago, a lot of speckled trout as well. Uh, but I think Lloyd was looking for some, some new opportunities to learn some new places and uh, kind of get away from some of the pressure 
uh, and get into some very productive areas. And uh, I fished with him a couple times uh, this spring and summer. And, man, we caught some pretty redfish. Uh, <laughs> they had some and, pretty and, pictures. And, and just, <laughs> yeah, it's just beautiful marsh, just unmolested, very healthy marsh uh, that had a lot of submerged grass in it, you know, a lot of good habitat, full of bait, full of food. Uh, it was just really enjoyable to go out into some of those areas uh, where I don't get the opportunity to go a lot, um, you know, towards the mouth of the Atchafalaya River uh, and just see what that part of the state looks like. Yeah, if I, I remember reading correctly, uh, Z caught some good grass, right? <laughs> he was complaining that he caught some good grass. Well, um, we are up against the break, Chris, so we want you to stay with us. We're going to have um, one of your friends join us, too, uh, and we want to talk a little bit more about your role at um, TRCP, too, when we come back. So if you don't mind sticking with us, we'll be right back after the break. You're listening to Delta Dispatches on WGSO 990 AM. National Wildlife Federation gives voices to the wildlife conservation values that are part of our country's heritage. We are charting a new course for wildlife that our children and grandchildren will thank us for. Visit our website, nwf.org Louisiana, to find out more about our work to restore and protect coastal Louisiana for generations to come. National Wildlife Federation, uniting all Americans to ensure wildlife thrive in a rapidly changing world. nwf.org Louisiana. Hi, I'm Don Cheadle. Listen up. I want to talk to you about something important, the Environmental Defense Fund. EDF isn't like some of the other environmental groups. EDF works together with those on both sides of the issue. Despite all the fighting in Washington, EDF has found ways for both parties to support real progress that has made our air and water cleaner and the products in our homes safer. So not only can our planet prosper, so can our future. Go to edf.org to see how you can help. At Audubon, we believe that where birds thrive, people prosper. Nowhere is that more evident than in Louisiana. Integrating science, education, and policy Audubon, Louisiana's mission is to conserve and restore natural ecosystems, focusing on birds, other wildlife, and their habitats for the benefit of humanity and the Earth's biological diversity. Visit la.audubon.org to learn more and support our mission. la.audubon.org. Restore Retreat is a coastal nonprofit organization working in the heart of the Barataria and Terrebonne Basins, from the Mississippi River to the Atchafalaya. We work every day to restore Louisiana's coast community and culture with our mission of implementing long-term and large-scale projects for our irreplaceable region. We'll hope you join us in supporting the solution. Check us out on Twitter, Facebook, and online at www.restoreorretreat.org. Hello. Hello, you're listening to Delta Dispatches. We're discussing Louisiana's coast, its people, wildlife, and jobs, and why restoring it matters. I'm Jacques Hebert with Environmental Defense Fund. And I'm Samoma Laws with Restore or Retreat. And before it's we get back to uh, our former guest and our new guest, mm-hmm. we have the Coastal Voice of the Week. <gasps> yes. <laughs> and this week's Coastal Voice is from Sherry in Baton Rouge. Sherry says, I grew up in Louisiana fishing, boat riding, and eating all of our delicious seafood. We lose the coast. We'll have lost a large part of our heritage and culture. C-Mac may know Sherry. <laughs> yes. C-Mac, you know Sherry? Are you related to Sherry, C-Mac? <laughs> Did you plant that question, that response? 
Don't get me in trouble. <laughs> uh, no, uh, no, I, I, I don't. But she sounds very, like a very interesting person, and I concur with her assessment. <laughs> C Mac, um, before we bring our na- our other guests on, because we want to have y'all on together. Um, you know, we we spent a lot of time in the first segment talking with you and just kind of assuming that everybody knew what you did, but like. You don't you don't just fish for fun, right? It's actually a, a part of the work that you do. So tell us, just remind us again about your role at the Theodore Roosevelt Conservation Partnership. Well, I do fish for fun, and I do enjoy <laughs> my job. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I work as the uh, Center for Marine Fisheries Director for the Theodore Roosevelt Conservation Partnership. And TRCP is a national nonprofit hunting and fishing organization. Um, you know, we work with some of the largest conservation organizations and sportsmen's organizations in the country uh, to advance good policy and law when it comes to habitat and hunting and fishing regulations. And we try to guarantee all Americans quality places and opportunities to go hunting and fishing. So we saw you fishing on the on the interwebs um, with a friend of yours. Um, your friend of yours gave you actually a really hard time about catching some fish, and that that friend is Todd Masson. He's going to join us right now on the show. So welcome to the show, Todd. How are you? Simone, I could not be better. Thanks so much for having me on. Um, so you gave my friend C-Mac a really hard time in this video we saw online. He seemed to be having fun and catching a lot of fish, and you were kind of teasing him. So um, y'all are friends, though, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, that's kind of part and parcel of fishing along our wonderful coast. Uh, you know, it's really just it's just part of the deal. Just when, when guys get together on a boat, <laughs> we just rib each other constantly. And, uh, you know, C-Mac, I consider to be a, a very close friend. So, yeah, believe me, he dishes as good as he takes. I promise you that. <laughs> well, so, all, all kidding aside, it was a, a really great video. Was it? And, we, you know, I know a couple of people shared it online, but... Kind of tell us about what the video was about, and, and you edit it and shoot it and those kinds of things. So, so tell us about that video and tell us more about yourself. Yeah, so the video was hosted on my Marshman Mass on YouTube channel. And, you know, really the point of the video was just to go out and have a good time and catch some speckled trout. But while we were out there, we also discussed how much land had been built uh, on that east side of the Missi- Mississippi River, just outside of Bayou Tortillion. And it's, it's really a, a mind-boggling amount. And, you know, I fished that area a year ago, almost to the day. Uh, and certainly there was some land popping up uh, back then. But, you know, you had this, this high river event throughout uh, 2018, 2019. And uh, the amount of land uh, that showed up there in, in one year's time, it, 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 it was really, really hard to fathom. Uh, it just kind of shows the power of the river. So, you know, I took the opportunity to, to talk to C-Mac about it and, and interview him and, and get his thoughts on it. And, um, and it's, it's really powerful. When you, when you see it for yourself, it's, it's really undeniable. Um, unfortunately, a lot of fishermen kind of take an anti-diversion view, and it's really, it's really sad because, you know, there are some negatives associated with diversions, but there's just a ton of positives. And if we focus only on those negatives, uh, man, our coast is just going to pay a really heavy price. So Todd and and Chris, really, I mean, I really want to dig into that a little bit. You know, we obviously understand the importance of diversions in terms of building and maintaining our wetlands and a storm surge buffer, as well as critical habitat and in the ecosystem. What would you say to fishermen that are concerned about the impacts of diversions to their fisheries? See, Mac, you want to take that one? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, 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 certainly, you know, and, and I talk to fishermen all the time who are concerned about it. And I think some of them 
uh, you know, some of the concerns are valid because things are going to change. And I think it's just sort of, you know, one of those things that we have to understand that it's difficult for some people. It's difficult for a lot of people to adjust to changes. Uh, but I, I think there's a couple of things going on. Number one, you know, a lot of people are taking this position that, that reintroducing the Mississippi River into areas where it once was connected, where it once built land, uh, is going to be this overnight change, this decimation of fisheries, and that the fishery won't be able to respond. And I think the problem with mm-hmm. that is, number one, that assumes that this place isn't changing mm-hmm. all the time as it is, right? I mean, there are a lot of places that I grew up fishing west of the Mississippi River and even east of the river just don't exist anymore because we've lost that connection with the river. So this place changes all the time, and we've managed to adapt to those changes as we've gone along over the last several decades. But the other thing is, you know, it's an understanding that uh, those changes aren't going to be permanent. There are seasonal aspects to the fishery, and a lot of the animals that inhabit coastal Louisiana uh, be it marine mammals or fish or oysters or any of those things, uh, you know, evolved here to adapt with those changes that come with being in the Mississippi River Delta. I can mm-hmm. tell you this much. Um, the river builds land. It just does. And there's just no getting around that. Uh, I, I think we can make adjustments uh, as the river gets re- reintroduced into these areas. But without that reintroduction, there's just really not a lot else we can do to build land on the scale that it's going to take to prevent this place from washing away. Todd, yes, you agree? <laughs> uh, wholeheartedly, yes. And, and, you know, there are some, some short-term impacts to uh, freshwater diversions. You know, we've seen them with, say, the Bonacary Spillway opening, and, and it displaces speckled trout during certain times of the year when they have to go out to uh, to spawn. They need that salty water. And, you know, we've kind of grown accustomed to catching speckled trout five minutes from the dock. And, and that's just, that's kind of an artificial environment. That's not the way things work in a river delta. Um, but, you know, it, we, we've, we've grown up with that, so we think that should always be the case. And the reality is that's just not, that wasn't the case 200 years ago. Speckled trout were not close to the river delta in, uh, you know, April, May, when you had high river events. Uh, they push farther out, but the fish do fine. The fish do absolutely fine. They go find the water that they need to spawn in. Uh, those larvae move inshore. Uh, they grow up very, very well in pure fresh water, and, and then they mature themselves and move out. So it's, it's, a, it's a great cycle. Mother Nature's uh, wonderful at, uh, at having set all this up. Uh, and, and, and so from what they were supposed to be a couple hundred Years ago, absolutely not. They're going to be just like they were back then. We've just gotten spoiled. Yeah, I've heard the there is no status quo in Louisiana, right? And that can be applied to lots of things. It's either changing with or without you. Um, and so that's a, you know, that's a good point about where you catch things and where things are now that is not traditionally where they've been. And I know there's been some recent studies and reports about, you know, even getting people to understand that piece you know unfortunately some degrading marsh is is healthy right for, or fish like that and that kind of stuff but that's not really the way it's supposed to be yeah i mean right. degrading marsh increases edge habitat and obviously yeah. puts a whole lot of nutrients into the water and so it, it it helps fisheries in the short term but but of course obviously at some point you reach a tipping point where you don't have enough marsh left to degrade and then uh and then the fishery collapses so 
Uh, we've got to do something. You know, I understand the, the guys who, who just want to dredge and, and, uh, and rebuild land, and certainly dredging is important. I'm not opposed to it. Uh, but the reality is you just got to get a whole lot of more sediment into the system, and there's a very, very easy way to do that, and that's to, uh, to open holes in the Mississippi River levees, and that's a big part of the coastal plan. It's about that balance, right? So, so guys, we are up against another break. We want you to stay with us for one more segment. I think we promised people that y'all would share y'all favorite fishing spots and things like that. <laughs> so y'all have to stay on with us. Um, but c- right before we go, um, Chris, first, can you tell everybody where they can find more information about the Theodore Roosevelt Conservation Partnership? And then, Todd, please share all your um, Twitter, whatever. YouTube. YouTube, Yes. Uh, sure. We, we've got a website. Obviously, everybody does. TRCP.org. We have a page that's dedicated you know, specifically to our work on the Mississippi River Delta. You can go see the videos that I've done with Todd. Uh, you can see several television shows and articles that we've written and things like that to kind of highlight what we what we work on down here in coastal Louisiana and, of course, all the social medias as well. Todd, how about you? Yeah, I hear the music, so I'll be quick. Yeah, the first first thing, go to uh, YouTube and search Marshman Masson. That's where you can see all my videos. But uh, and Masson has two S's, right? M A S S O N. M A S S O N. Correct. Thank you. And uh, yeah, uh, Twitter at P Masson Fish, and uh, look me up on Facebook, uh, Instagram, Snapchat, all the social media. Snapchat got it all. I know. Okay, guys, stick with us. We're gonna uh, go through this one more break, and then we'll go through another segment so we can get more information. Thanks for sticking with us. You're listening to Delta Dispatches on WGSO 990 AM. We'll be right back. We're back. You're listening to Delta Dispatches. We're discussing Louisiana's coast, its people, wildlife, and jobs, and why restoring it matters. I'm Jacques Hebert with Environmental Defense Fund. And I'm Simone Laws with Restore Retreat. I wish everybody knew we talk up like until the second. <laughs> We're like getting flagged down. Get back to the microphone. Stop talking about gossiping about the Beverly Hills 920 reboot. Um, Which is good. It's good. You should watch it if you're not watching it. All right, guys, welcome back. Um, we can ask them for our fun question what their favorite 90210 character is. <laughs> I, I won't ask them that unless they want to offer it, but I will ask. So um, I, think we need to, I think we need to tell Todd, too, as, as, parting, as part of the way that we get to know our guests on the show, we ask a fun question. Um, and like I said, it's just a fun way for us to get to know our friends. So No this, pressure. Well, I know, no pressure. I, I, I know C-Mac's a big Beverly Hills 90210 fan, but actually I've never seen the show, so <gasps> I, I can't comment. Donna Martin graduates. Okay, I'm a, we, we could do a whole show on that. That's going to be a bonus <laughs> segment at some point, yeah. But Jacques has your fun question. So I think it'll be a little bit more appropriate for this show. Um, if you were a fish that resides in Louisiana's coastal marshes and estuaries, what fish would you be and why? Oh, I would absolutely, without question, be a speckled trout. And I, I would be the most popular fish in Louisiana, <laughs> uh, which speckled trout are. And, um, you know, I wrote an entire book on speckled trout. And, and I, really? um, yeah, I, I posited some possibilities as to why they're so popular. And, and I settled on their eyes. Speckled trout have extremely angry eyes. They look like <laughs> when you pull them in, they're like mad they're the little baddest, boogers. <laughs> they're the baddest men on that boat. They know it, and uh, and they're like thinking about throwing you overboard. So 
yeah, I think that's what it is. I think it's the eyes. That's well, a good, well, good answer. I want to get back to that book, but C-Mac, you have to answer. First, Kelly Taylor. <laughs> yes, yes, Team Kelly. Uh, yes. This, this, second, this is why we're uh, friends. Yeah, yeah. Well, of course, I watched Nine Hundred Two One Zero. I mean, what can I say? Uh, <laughs> second, uh, I mean, the chicks were hot. Number two, um, an alligator gar. Oh. That would be an alligator gar. And I would eat Todd's ass. I mean, I would <laughs> get a, I'd eat a couple trout, and alligator gar can eat all of that stuff. Now, the only thing that would eat me would probably be a, an alligator. Uh, but definitely an alligator gar. I just, I just like their character. There's a guy at Nichols that studies alligator gar, and he, he like that's his work. They have like really important genetic um, information mm-hmm. and stuff. It's very interesting. But he has the funniest gar jokes all the time. And so now I'm going to think of you all the time. Well, and we that. also have so, to get him on the show at some yeah, point. Yeah, like there's, there's actually like DNA. In, I don't know, just okay. crazy. Another episode. Yeah, can we talk about Nana 2 and again? <laughs> well, let's get back. So, Todd, uh, tell us a little bit, I mean, about your book, but also your background. How did you get into having, I mean, what many in Louisiana would ha- call a dream career, no doubt, um, but how did you get into this line of work? Yeah, okay, so the book, you know, it's, it's actually very dated. I wrote it in 1999 and 2000, published it in 2001. So a lot of the areas that are discussed in that book literally no longer exist. So... Uh, the book is dated. Um, you know, it, it uh, was was very important to me at the time, but um, uh, it's you know it, it's seen it's it's seen its run. But uh, how did I get involved in this? Well, I was a college student at Loyola uh, here locally in New Orleans, and sent a a story that I had written on uh, on an area off of Highway 90, uh, fishing for brim and bass. I uh, sent it to Ann Taylor, who at the time was editor of Louisiana Sportsman Magazine. I was a journalism student, by the way, and uh, and she bought it. And I thought that was absolutely the coolest thing that had ever happened in my life. Uh, I was a lifelong avid angler. I wanted to be a news reporter all of my life. Uh, and I thought, hey, what the heck? What if I marry those two? And, and that's what ended up happening. Uh, I graduated college. Louisiana Sportsman hired me full-time. I worked there for 18 years and then uh, uh, got hired by the New Orleans Times-Picayune, where I worked for six years, uh, and that relationship ended uh, a year ago. They actually laid me off. Uh, of course, they had a series of layoffs. Mm-hmm. I survived most of them. I did not survive that one. And then, uh, of course, now the uh, Times-Picayune has merged with the, uh, with the Advocate uh, when they bought them out. So uh, two years ago, I launched the uh, – uh, Marshman Mass on YouTube channel, and that's uh, that's currently what occupies uh, every waking moment of every day of my life. So, um, yeah, it has been a dream job. I, I love what I do. Can't imagine ever doing anything else, and um, feel very, very fortunate to be in the position that I'm in. There's no status quo, right? The evolution of a journalist, huh? And so, Oof, yeah, you're <laughs> right. Yeah, particularly when you're a journalist, you're an accountant. I guess there is, uh, you know. Some status quo, but yeah, my field, not at all. I don't know. My dad's a CPA. He always talks about having to learn new tax rules and all that kind of stuff. That's too. a very good so, point. Yeah. That's a good point. So uh, I've kind of focused on this video a little bit, but the, um, this, like you edit all that yourself, right? And so you had to, I mean, that's a whole different kind of medium to have to learn too. Yeah, you're exactly right. It's very, very different than writing. And, you know, some, there are some similarities. Uh, every video should tell a story. Uh, and obviously, that's what I tried to do as a journalist. Um, so there are some similarities. But yeah, the actual technical aspects of editing a video are 
incredibly, incredibly time consuming. That's what a lot of people don't get. You know, they see a, a 15 minute video and, and, and think, you know, it might've taken an hour or two to edit. No, it takes uh, 18 hours uh, plus to, uh, to edit a video of that length. So, um, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's time consuming, but, uh, I, I've, I've grown to really enjoy it. Uh, I've got a whole lot left to learn. Uh, but I study it every day and, and I'm gaining in skills and, and, uh, I just, I really, I really enjoy the challenge, and and uh, you know, what 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 I do is very kind of um, reality TV. Like I, I strap yeah, a camera yeah, yeah. to my chest, yeah. and and uh, and you'll see the cast, you'll see the the hook set, you'll see the fish being reeled in, and and, and that's I think part of the attractiveness of the uh, of the channel. It is it's real. It's just genuine. Well, I mean, you know, it, uh, clearly video editing, there's no status quo there either. But I, I did see the recent video that Simone referenced, and I saw how it was widely shared, and people just really loved it. So um, to be able to capture that experience is so so important. I want to shift a little bit to talk about some of the coastal hotspots, let's call them, um, that folks hear about often. Um, let's talk about Wax Lake Delta. The Homa Courier just uh, did a story um, and had an editorial, actually, that was based on a paper by Dr. Robert Twilley, who we've had on the show before. I talked to him today. Oh, I hope he's doing well. But uh, it was basically showing how, you know, whereas the Gulf of Mexico has moved 10 miles closer to Homa, which is pretty frightening, um, in the Atchafalaya Basin, it's pretty much stayed put. And that's clearly one of the only areas of the state that's gaining land. So, C-Mac, you've spent a lot of time out in Wax Lake. Can you talk about that area and, and kind of why it's such a productive part of the state? Yeah, I mean, Wax Lake is, is just an incredible place. Uh, um you know, especially for waterfowl habitat, uh, you know, especially if you want to see a lot of submerged vegetation and bird life, and there's some fishing activity that takes place out there. It's really uh, a great kind of sportsman's paradise down there. And uh, it's it's public land, too. But, uh, you know, the unique thing about Wax Lake is uh, it took a while for that, the, the mud flats and the elevation of the bottom of Chafalaya Bay, basically, to, to get to the point where land would start growing there. But once it did, um, you know, new land builds there every year. And it's one of those places that, you know, you get to the end of what's called the Calumet Cut, uh, which is the Wax Lake Outlet. And you look on your GPS on your boat, and it says you're supposed to be at the, you know, at the end of the land. But you look out in front of you and to the left and right, and there's five miles of land in front of you. And every time I've gone, there's been new land. It's a fascinating place. And the crazy thing is you – you can get out. You can walk around on this land that's been created, in some cases, in the last year to five years, and pick it up. And it feels a lot like, you know, like the beach at Grand Isle. And it, and it, it just looks like, you know, you could see the connection. You could see in kind of a laboratory how the river has built all of coastal Louisiana because it's all right there in front of you. You've got the sand, the clay, the vegetation. You know, all of the different habitat types that you see in a coastal marsh, it's just right there in front of you, but it's being built every single year. So, Todd, how about you? Have you spent some time out there? Do you have a favorite area? Uh, I mean, I've got definitely a favorite area. I, I have spent some time at Wax Lake, and, uh, you know, as C-Max says, it's just incredible. And then, uh, obviously, it's growing. It's it's a testament to the land-building power of uh, of the river. Uh, but, yeah, my, my favorite area... Uh, in South Louisiana is is definitely the Delacroix area, St. Bernard Parish. Actually, you know, Delacroix itself is in St. Bernard, but the marsh that I fish is in Northern Plaquemines Parish. But it's mm, just, my hood, uh, yeah, that's Jacksonville yeah, behind Braithwaite. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Just an incredible area, and 
the, the fisheries productivity of that area just boggles the mind. And, and uh, man, it, it's just home to me. I love I love the marsh. I, I'm really more of a marsh fisherman than a coast fisherman. Uh, I know C-Mac is more of a coastal fisherman, but I, I just love getting back and getting lost and getting by myself and, and uh, seeing what I can find. And uh, that place has plenty, plenty of marsh to explore. Well, thank you guys both for being on the show. Um, we are uh, up against the end of the segment, but remind folks one more time where they can find you guys. Uh, C-Mac first. Uh, you can find me at trcp.org website. You can always email me, cmacaluso at trcp.org. Todd? Yeah, for me, it's uh, it's, it's Marshman Mathon on YouTube or any of the uh, the major social media. Just look me up. You'll, uh, you'll definitely find me. Well, guys, I would make you take me fishing, but I'm no good on a boat. I'm only good to, like, adjust the radio. <laughs> thank you both for being on the show and sharing your point of view. It's really important for us. So thank you, guys. Thank you. Very welcome. Thank you, thank Simone you. and Jack. Appreciate we'll be right back with Delta Dispatches on WGSO 990 AM. back you're listening to delta dispatches we're discussing louisiana's coast its people wildlife and jobs and why restoring it matters i'm jacques hebert with environmental defense fund and it is time for the coastal stat of the week uh we mentioned this in an earlier segment but dr robert twilley with lsu and c grant had a recent report um and in his report he found that since 1932 the gulf of mexico has moved at least 10 miles closer to homa as the sediment in Terrebonne Basin has not been replaced. In that same time frame, Morgan City, situated about 35 miles to the west of Homa, has yet to see any encroachment from the Gulf. So it's just a really important comparison there. I mean, we often talk about it as a tale of two basins, and you can go on our website, mississippiriverdelta.org, slash 360, and actually see a 360 video that's filmed in marshes and around Cocodri, and then compare that to what it looks like at the Wax Lake Delta. So I'm so excited to have our next guest back on the show to talk about a really exciting event that's happening this weekend, fun for the family um, and all ages right here in New Orleans. Uh, Welcome back to Delta Dispatches, Greg Lambusi, director of the New Orleans Jazz Museum. Hello, how y'all doing? Good, Greg. How are you? I can't believe it's been a year since we had you on to talk about the Down River Festival. Time flies. It by quick. It does, but it's always a great time. So um, I want to talk about the event, but first tell us a little bit about um, the New Orleans Jazz Museum. Sure. So we're, we're over at the uh, Bold U.S. Mint, and um, it's uh, 400 Esplanade Avenue, um, just between the French Market and um, and Frenchman Street. And we have, uh, you know, new exhibits pretty regularly. We do about eight a year. We just opened one on uh, Louis Prima and another one on uh, history of drumming in New Orleans. Of course, being a music museum, we do um, do have concerts pretty much on a daily basis in our uh, performance center on the third floor. <clears throat> Excuse me. We also do um, a lot of educational activities in their education center and through festivals, too. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, I've actually been several times to some events and concerts there, and it's a really beautiful space. Um, and you have such really great performers. I think you've had the Lost Bayou Ramblers there before. Yeah, not too long ago. Yep. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's Just, awesome. You know, yeah, Irma Thomas, Dick and John, Alan Toussaint when he was alive, um, you know, um, a lot of the folks here in New Orleans. So where can people go to kind of see that uh calendar of events and also follow you and support the jazz museum. Yeah, please go to uh, nolajazzmuseum.org. Great. And 
So this weekend, um, as you mentioned, you're hosting the Downriver Festival, which are, we partner as Restore the Mississippi River Delta and have partnered with you all in a few years. So tell folks what the Downriver Festival is. So it's, it's basically, um, it uh, celebrates all the, well, it celebrates the idea of all the um, influences from uh, other parts of the country coming through the river, um, other parts of the world coming to us through the river and in, in the uh, interchange through that, through, you know, within, I mean, influencing our culture, our history, all of those things. And as a port city, uh, the river, you know, plays a major part in, um, in much of what we do. And of course the city is where it is because of the river. So, um, so we try to, uh, explore those things through panel discuss those ideas through panel discussions, you know, the idea of, uh, of water management in general, um, uh, coastal, uh, coastal issues, et cetera. And, and so, uh, yeah. yeah, it's a great location for that literally being kind of right next to the river and, and the port there. Um, uh, tell us a little bit about how the Downriver Festival got started. How many years has it been? It's been, it's hard to believe it's been seven years and, um, uh, it started with conversations, uh, with, um, Amy Kirk, uh, Jason Strada. Amy Kirk with uh, French Market. Uh, Jason Strada with Friends of the Cabildo, and Matt Hamsey with the uh, National Park Service. And uh, um, the idea was to uh, to have something that that uh, was about the river, and also about um, food and the influences uh, from all the various cultures on on uh, food in New Orleans. And so, uh, yeah, we started doing it. Uh, I guess it was around 2013 or so, 2012. Well, uh, I know every year you have a different theme. So what's this year's theme? Uh, this year's theme is, is very generous, Louisiana seafood. Yeah, that's a good theme and follows on the, the conversation we're having with our prior guests. So um, the, the event is free and open to the public, correct? Yes, yes. And, and um, time, what's the time on it? It's gonna, We're going to start with a... Um, a second line. Uh, actually, let me back. We're actually going to start with um, Water Collaborative. Water Collaborative is going to do a uh, walking tour of the river, starting around. I think it's around nine o'clock, uh, and folks will meet in front of the uh, Jazz Museum on Esplanade Street. And then we'll also have a um, second line starting with Kinfolk Brass Band and uh, Nolan Stallings uh, Baby Dolls at uh, around ten o'clock in Jackson Square. And then the the second line will make its way to the Jazz Museum and the Water Collaborative Tour will meet up with the second one on the way to the museum. Yeah, it sounds like a lot of fun, and I love the baby dolls. Um, there are also going to be a series of panels, correct, um, at the festival. Yeah. What are some of the topics of the panels? Uh, let's see. One is about the history of the river and river boats. That'll be with uh, with uh, Doc Howley, um, the riverboat captain, and uh, the, the man you hear playing the Calliope when you're walking to the French Quarter. Um Let's see what other panels. I love that. Uh, love that sound of that Calliope. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, me too. Me too. And uh, uh, Kevin McCaffrey. McCaffrey is going to have a showing of his film on uh, on uh, New Orleans cuisine. And um, um, there's going to be a couple other panels that I'm kind of blanking on right now, but they, but they're having to do with water management. But uh, if you go to the site, you'll see the, the panels listed. That's great. And um, there will also be fun for the kids, correct? Yes, there will be. We have we just um, opened up our new education center on the first floor, and the doors will be open to the to the festival. We'll have you know face painting, um, um, 
water uh, demonstrations showing uh, erosion and uh, uh, river action, water action, that sort of thing, um, and uh, a number of different activities for the kids. That's great. And um, so one more time, where can folks go to find out information about the Downriver Festival? Uh, let's see. It's uh, downriverfest.org. Okay. And do you have, what other programming or kind of exhibits are happening at the New Orleans Jazz Museum uh, that you're excited about? Let's see, we have uh, coming up, um, we work with the French American Chamber of Commerce often, and um, and one thing that we've developed along with them is the uh, um, uh, Fête de Fromage, and uh, that's the uh, Cheese and Wine Fest, and that'll be coming up in mid-November. Um and then we have our Improvisations Gala, which is our annual um, museum gala that will happen on December 7th. And so we invite everybody to come to that. And, um, yeah, and I should mention, too, our, our music lineup real quick. Uh, the music will kick off on the main stage um, at 11 o'clock with Jamie Lynn Vessels. And then we'll have uh, Miami Shera and her band um, and uh, uh, Arrowhead Jazz Band. And Vincent Hugh from uh, Taiwan, he's an incredible uh, jazz musician. He'll have his full band there. And then it'll, um, and then um, uh, Javier Orlando and Ashe Sun, it'll be in a land with uh, Treme Lafitte Brass Band. Well, it's a great, great lineup. Music, educational activities, fun, kind of dancing, kid-friendly. So it's a, it's a great event. So one more time, remind people where it is, when it is, and where they can find more information. Great. It's uh, at the New Orleans Jazz Museum between the French Market and Frenchman Street, um, uh, 400 Esplanade Avenue. Um, from 9, the, the tour started 9. Uh, the festival kicks off with music at uh, 10, and we'll go all the way till about 7 o'clock. And then around 7.30, we will have an evening tour that uh, Mark Collaborative is going to do from, from the museum um, to uh, the river again. Great. And um, folks can find out. And the New Orleans Jazz Museum is open to the public uh, pretty regularly, correct? Yeah, we're open um, Tuesday through Sunday from uh, 10 o'clock to 4.30. And then we often do evening programs. Awesome. And the website, one more time, is nolajazzmuseum.org. Yeah, no, yeah, that's it, yep. All right, Greg. Well, you know, we're certainly hoping that you all have a great event. Um, I look forward to being there for part of my day on Saturday. Um, and thank you so much for being on the show again. Thank you so much. Look forward to seeing you. All right. Um, head on down to the Downriver Fest. Bring your friends and family. It'll no doubt be a great event, a lot of fun, a lot of education, and really celebrating our connection to the river, which, you know, we're here because of the river. So um, thank you to all of our guests for the show. Thank you to Todd Masson, Chris Macaluso, Greg Lambusi, and we'll be back next week on Delta Dispatches. Have a good week. <laughs>